0: Because you know, if you go for the big promotion because that's success, when you get there, you suddenly realize that your hours are no longer relative to the hours you're supposed to work. You're now working more, longer, longer hours. You're seeing less of your family, doing all these bits and pieces you weren't expecting. A lot of times, success is not what people think it is. Uh, so define what success is to you. Yeah, success to me, a successful day to me is a day that's filled as a productive day. It's not going to be a hard working day, but it'll be a productive day. I will have achieved three or four things that I wanted to achieve in the daytime. And for me, that's success. I'm not, I I, I spent years making bloody long to-do lists and beating the crap out of myself at the end of the day for not completing half of it. And wondering why I felt so sort of miserable because I, you know, I set myself up to fail even before I started.
1: This is the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling.
2: Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. My name is Brent and I am the Fallible Man. And today I have a guest on who is a fellow podcaster, Paul Harvey, of the Life, Passion, and Business podcast. Paul, thank you for joining us for the show today. It's a pleasure to have you on.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here.
2: Now, Paul, you uh, are a podcaster, and but this is not all where you started, right? I was looking through your bio, and this is kind of where you feel like you found a calling after doing other things for years, Right. Um, I've been in marketing for
0: thirty years. That's what I kind of I was doing. I was in development in in down in London where I lived there, and uh, I had grown tired of of the corporate world. And uh, so my wife and I and we had we were late parents because we were both just turning forty when my son was born, and uh, we wanted something different from the London life because we were lived in a lovely road. It was a perfect place to live in London, but. I knew five people down that street and had only been into one of their houses because it was just commuter belt. You know, no one stayed there. And the weekends, everyone did their own thing sort of thing. And so we thought we need to be somewhere else. And so we ended up moving to Scotland. A, a long journey on that one, how we got here. <laughs> but we ended up moving to Scotland. And uh, yeah, and you know, so I'm a Londoner in Scotland, which is, and I'm very far north. I am, I'm 23 miles east of Inverness. I couldn't have gone much further north. Actually, I, there, there is a bit further north, but not a lot. Um, so I am like six hundred miles from London. And uh, so when I came here, I started in the in the marketing world again. I stayed in marketing, but it was for myself and supporting smaller businesses. So I, I enjoyed that. I had a lovely time. I really enjoyed working with with over two hundred different businesses. You know, bakers, all, all sorts of real people doing real kind of jobs. Uh, it was very different from the corporate world where I was in, so it was a really, really interesting time when I first moved here. And uh, and for ten years, I had a, a great time. I really, really enjoyed it. And it was after the financial crash that I started to struggle with marketing, because I could see the consumption side of it was just starting to really pull on me. I could really see how it, we were just burning the planet for the sake of what. You know, it's all about making money and. It's making more and doing more and doing more. And it's like, well, when, does, when, is enough, when is enough enough? So at that point, I started to reevaluate kind of what I wanted out of it and what I wanted, who I wanted to work for. So I did a major kind of shift of clients at that point. And I moved away from anyone who was kind of doing fast-moving stuff or consumer stuff. And I moved into more people that were doing things that were, that I could perceive had a value, had a human value. Uh, so i work with people like i work with a death coach for many many years and i say like that's a strange <laughs> thing you know what, what does a death coach do well a death coach helps people plan for the death because you know we're all going to go at some stage
2: right
0: and uh, and like you know people don't plan for it and it's like and it was it was a fascinating journey discovering about the idea of end of life planning uh, and it's I can talk about that if you want to. It's really interesting. So I ended up doing things like that, you know, with different people like that, and so that's where 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 my my life went to. And then in 2017, towards the end of twenty seventeen, my father died, Uh, and he was he was eighty nine years old, and he did not want to be ninety. He died two weeks before his (laughs) ninetieth birthday. Uh, He was, I mean, I know. My father lived in Essex, and that for you know. But I, I appreciate you're US, so you were not So the sense of that is that's like 500 plus miles away.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had moved to Scotland. I'm in Scotland, of course. And when we were in London, they my my parents moved out of London. They moved away from me first, so I didn't feel any any qualms about moving away from them because he'd <laughs> moved away from me, you know, years before. So, um, but when he died, it was a bit of a like, you know, he had a tough old. 20 years after my mum died he didn't really f- he didn't really connect with his own life what i realized you know when i was looking back at it i realized that he lived vicariously for my mum for many many years and then after that he kind of existed for 20 years and i thought god old you know he really is not kind of living he didn't live his life why what was that about and when i started to look at him look at his journey and, and think about some of the things that he'd responded to. Things he was, I realized a lot of those things were in me. I realized that I had a lot of similar traits. And then there was, I was just thinking about my life and what I was doing. You know, I mean, I've, I've got a nice house here, and I had all the trappings. I've got family. You know, my son, I've got one son, my wife, and we had friends and bits and pieces. But I suddenly realized that I was just as cynical as my father had become, and I was on the journey, on that road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had a cold, hard really realisation one day that I didn't care whether I lived or died. I, I was like, I'm here for my son, but once he's gone, what does it matter? And, I, and that was really, really hard when I realised that I actually didn't care either way. And so that's when I thought, this has got, I've got to change this. I've got to about it. So this is where I started reaching out to people. Thought, well, look, other people must know how to do this life thing. It can't be that difficult. Other people must know the journey, and what we're doing it. So I started reaching out and asking, having questions and asking conversations of people. So, like, I was asking, but what are you passionate about? How do you measure the success? You know, what determines success? Because it can't be money. I mean, all right, I know money's good, but once you get to a certain point, you only have you only drive one car at a time, can't you? You only live in one house at a time. You know, how much money do you need? All right, if you're selling rockets to Mars, you might need a bit more. But you know, how much do you need? Uh, so we had those, I, I started asking those questions of people. And then it came the, the contribution, idea of contribution and meaning. And so that podcast went live in 2018, January, 2018. It's like the podcast, just, it's the podcast problem, isn't it? You come up with the idea, you start doing the podcast, creating it, and then you won't release it. So I had all these, I, I was holding these <laughs> things back because I was too scared to put them out in the world. <laughs> and then in 2018, I, I launched it in January, 2018. And so we're up to over 200 episodes now.
2: Wow. Congratulations on that.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank as, you. As a young podcaster, I, I, I think I'm at like 53 or no, more than that, but not much more than that. So that's a, that's a lot of episodes to go through. Yeah, it is. It is a
0: lot of episodes to go through. And, and, you know, and you learn a lot in the journey. You learn a lot. But what I have discovered over that, over those 200 episodes is that there's no right way to do life. You know, there's no bloody meaning to it other than the meaning you choose to give it. Absolutely, because, you know, you, you talk to different people from all over the world and one person will give you their Christian perspective, and one person will give you their Jewish perspective, and one person will give you their Muslim perspective, and so on and so on, and every other thing in between. There ain't. Any one journey or story that is any any different than anybody else, it's just the story that they believe and they sit to and they work with and it works for them. And if it works for them, who am I to say it doesn't work?
2: <laughs> well, we all, we all need something external almost to, to find meaning, it seems, in our lives. We, we need some kind of hope or belief to grasp onto and cling to that creates meaning for us right i i think it's we have to decide for ourselves
0: what that might be and it doesn't necessarily have to be external it could be just as easily be i i accept there's no meaning and i accept each moment as it comes it it could be just like that and i have met a couple of people that are very much like that um talwanda sadhu i think his name is he's a he's a guy in in um canada and he discovered, he was taught meditation by his mom when he was a, a, a young man, about like eight or nine. Um, and he kind of says the past is the past and the future hasn't happened yet. And today is all that matters.
2: I actually just had a conversation. Oh, what day is it? Uh, I think Saturday, I was talking to a young podcaster out of Australia who does uh life coaching on how to let things go. Mm. And uh other than struggling with the fact that his age really, really showed through. He's a very young gentleman getting started in his life. And it's like, uh you you have a, a lot of, you know, I'm college age ideals. But uh listening to him, that's that was his approach was like, there's just not a right answer. There's no specific meaning. I just I just kind of experience everything as it happens. And that is, that is what life is. It's like Look,
0: I think one of the advantages okay. that a lot of younger people have, I mean, I'm 58, right? So when I started personal development, which probably was 30 years ago, mm-hmm. it was books, it was tapes, and it was events. And there weren't that many, right? certainly weren't many books around, and there weren't that many tapes around. And you had to go to specialist bookshops to find them. You know, youngsters now, people now can actually go and look on YouTube and they can find or a TED Talk or anything. You can find this information anywhere now. Mm -hmm. And so I I think there's a lot more opportunity for people to to discover personal growth and to discover those
2: things for themselves. Oh, yeah. It's a golden time to, you know, work on yourself. It really Mm. is. So we have more opportunities now between podcasting and social media and YouTube and, I mean, all the many platforms. I love – I can't count how many TED Talks I probably have sat through uh, just re re-watching them on YouTube and stuff like that. It hmm. is an ideal time if you want to grow, but there's also an ideal moment to get distracted from growing because there's just so much stuff out there that's just entertainment that it's really easy to lose the personal growth stuff too. Uh, how, many, how many hours do people watch – cat videos and junk like that on youtube right it's uh yeah well they are that the, these things are incredibly
0: addictive aren't they i mean then they're designed to be i mean yeah that is that um
2: they, they they know what they're doing when they design these systems to, oh, to yeah. hook us in i lost three years of my life to a video game i actually tallied up time played on one particular game over the course of about eight years i literally have lost three years of my life to one video game in particular. Mm. And I. And I had no idea at the time that I was investing that kind of time in it until I actually it has a feature in it where you can uh, get a recount of how many hours you've played a certain character. So I added all of mine up and went, Oh, that's uh, that's three years of my life. Wow, that's But it's interesting my son's a gamer.
0: I know and we kept him off games for years. We 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 he went through Steiner education. So he went through an education system which doesn't which which basically encourages you to restrict their media usage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and we did, we restricted his media up to, up to the age of 11, he watched no television, uh, which he, on some level says he regrets, but at the same time, he also recognizes the value of it because he has a far greater imagination than a lot of people have because of that time when he had to use his imagination, mm-hmm. but he is making up for it big time now because he's in game, he's gone into game development. Oh, okay.
2: Now yeah, he gets so- paid to be a gamer.
0: Well yeah, well he's not quite there yet. He's still studying it, but that's the point I and mean, but he is, you know, absolutely putting the hours in to, in gaming nowadays because that's just what he does. That's that's what he is, not he? And he's met all his friends across the world because of it. And for him, if he if he does put in 80 90 hours into a game, it just
2: proves the game is a good one. Right? Yeah. Now I, I got a friend who is a streamer who gets paid to play video games. Oh wow! Nice like, job. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Wow, you you figured out a trick there, didn't you?" But hey, I I I ask all my guests. This is one this is my question. I got to ask the important the important one here. Okay, what is your favorite ice cream?
0: Um, that kind of again, yeah, that's kind of evolved over time. Actually, I used to like rum and raisin quite a lot for years, and I used to quite like that because it's just an unusual flavor, I guess. Um. I guess some of the chocolate cookie ones are quite nice. I, I, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm just a bit of a I'm just a bit of a tart with this
2: one. I I, I go over whatever I like in the moment. <laughs> you know, I, I can appreciate that because there are days that this sounds good, and there are days that it's like I really want this. You know, I, I go I'll go through swings. Uh, I I have my regular ice creams, but every now and then I'll see like a nice fruit based ice cream, like strawberry or something. Yeah. Or huckleberry walking through the store, and I'm like, you know what? That just sounds really really good i i could do that so, so we've gone to ice cream about personal development is that a distraction <laughs> tactic <laughs> no no it's uh you know i actually started asking my guests that probably the beginning of season two for my podcast fair enough just because it's we all have so much in common as humans right but we all have yeah. our individual taste and it also just tends to lighten the mood a little bit people uh People aren't expecting me to ask about ice cream. I'm sure it's not a question you get asked a lot of podcasts. No, not often. Not often. But I, it's fun to see people react to it too. <laughs> and it, it doesn't always even make the final cut. In fact, it frequently doesn't. But it just, it lets people take a breath and go, oh, look, yeah, real people here. It's, it's a, you know, we're recording, but it's a real thing. And it's just something fun because people are so individual. I had someone tell me, uh, a gentleman in Sydney who's burnt fig and almond. And it's some kind of high end there's a chef in Sydney that is one of her things.
0: There was um there was an ice cream that was done in London some some years ago. I think it was fish and chip ice cream or something. See? One of those kind of like, you know Yeah, things yeah. you don't need to try. <laughs> Was it Is it Heston Blumenthal? He did his snail porridge. Another thing you don't need to try as well. Oh my
2: goodness! Now, <laughs> wow! So you there we are. so you started on this podcasting adventure, and you've got two hundred episodes down, and it's life, passion, and business. And I mean, that's that's what you're talking about. That's what you're focusing on. It's just it is, and I and I'm very much about the midlife journey. I mean, as a mm-hmm. midlife
0: man, I recognize what I bumped into with my father dying it wasn't just him dying, it it was, it's the trigger point to midlife, I think. We all have a midlife crisis, or men do or women do. Now women have it physically because their body changes. And so they get that warning that it's happening and they're gonna have a mid, you know, their body's changing so that starts to happen for them. So they know they're entering midlife, but we don't, men don't, I mean, we do have physical changes in our body, um, you know, I mean, the pubes grow, grow, go grey. So, I mean, that, that's a physical change. You know, it's one of those things you don't think that, oh, they do. But, you know, other than those, we don't have the same physical changes that women do. And one thing I noticed that for most midlife change in men, it's triggered by an external situation. And mine was triggered, triggered by my father dying. I recognized that my, I was not happy in my life. And I think it happens to a lot of men who they've either been in a job for many, many years, uh, and they've got all the trappings of that job. And they're suddenly sitting back and going, I've got another 30 years of this life like this. What am I going to do with it? You know, how do I want to live it? And those things are really, really, really important to, to think about you know when we're young we plan our life to some extent we've got this success model that gets given to us study hard do this do this do this do this you know and it, it's a crock the whole success model because it cause <laughs> most people don't find you know they don't find happiness and joy out of it right. but it does keep does get the ball rolling and at some point you have to define your own success model that's why success is a massive question in the podcast it is a massive question. How do you define success? What is going to be a good day for you? Uh, yeah, so, so, and I think w- when we get to that midlife point, we've got to actually reevaluate what we want to achieve between now and, and the end because the end will come.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You ain't getting out of this world alive. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's what I, I my my focus these days is this idea is supporting ideally men through the midlife, midlife crisis and mm. helping them take charge of it. See, I, I think there's this thing about we've got to ask ourselves the important questions. We've got to ask them not just once a, once a, you know, once a, a year. You know, every week, every month, what's the important question? What do I want? What am I passionate about this week? What was I passionate? Where was, I, where was I, my joy this week? What was I happy about this week? What was good? Can I you know, do a write it down? I mean, I journal every single day now because I recognize how valuable journaling is to me. And I, and I ask myself questions in my journal constantly. So in one, of, one of my questions, I was asking questions in my journal over the weekend. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that came up is, are you looking for approval? And I thought, oh God, of course I'm looking for approval. Everyone's looking for approval. <laughs> You know, so I mean, on my podcast, I, you know, I, I ask people to like, share and, uh, and review the podcast. Why? Because I want to approve it. <laughs> you know, but when you get to uh, you know, that midlife age, you know, where, where's my approval going to come from? And, and do I, you know, do I really, am I, am I chasing it? You know, social media makes us chase approval because it oh, makes us like likes and shares.
2: Yeah. It's, I, I, I have eight different social media accounts as the fallible man on, on like eight different platforms, not counting multiple pages on some of them. And I despise social media to like I, I always have. But looking at social media, it's like, wow, we are just, we're just we're crushing people because everybody shows off their best moments. You don't see. Right. I mean, so we do podcasting. You aren't seeing on this side of my camera right you're, you're seeing me but you don't see this side of the camera and to have the lights look a certain way and the room look a certain way and the coloration you're not seeing that there are arms around me with lights and above me and behind me and right to get a certain look that polished clean right and that's how every social media well, it looks a
0: lot better than mine does though cuz this bloody green <laughs> screen's playing up today i've got this this funny gray area over here mm-hmm. for some reason today so
2: yes i know <laughs> right but, i mean that's that's all social media is is people at their most polished perfect yeah. moments yeah. we we see those guys with the perfect <clears throat> bodies and we're like and they starve themselves for i was watching uh It was was a Q&A for that show, The Witcher, and they were talking about the main characters uh, seeing Henry Cavell, and great, great actor. I enjoy his work a lot of times, but they were asking about this one scene where he takes a bath in the show, right? And he has to be shirtless. He went like three days without eating and dehydrated himself for a day and a half. Yeah, you have to, DIY, to it's more, called shredding. You have right? to do shredding to do that. Yeah, so, so that
0: the muscles stick out. Yeah, that's right. That's what you have to do. It's
2: like, <laughs> I, I see those interviews. Uh, I, I watched another actor talk about playing Tarzan and the diet he was on for months and months and the workout regiments. And he's like, as, as soon as they like ended production on the movie, I, I went out and ate like three pizzas because all I'd eaten was <laughs> nothing but clean protein and vegetables for... To look that shredded, you know he wasn't huge, he was just completely shredded, right, that very lean uh thin, natural, but just shredded out, and he's like i i had I had breakdowns during shooting where I just broke down and cried. Mm. It's like people don't understand those are the polished moments, and those aren't real that's not, not reality at all it It was interesting you're talking about the change brought on by your father's passing. Mm. Um I just lost my father back in July. Mm. and uh, he lived here with my family with my mom and I only I took two weeks off. I have a full time job, but I took two weeks off to attend to him in his final days'cause uh he's a big guy. And my mom just couldn't handle him by herself anymore. My dad's six five three hundred plus pounds, four hundred pounds, and so I had taken a week off to help in the final week and then some time afterwards. And when I went back to work, all I'd have been doing for weeks is being with my family and working on the podcast. That's that's no no nine to five, nothing else like that, right? I went back to my nine to five job and was like, this feels so hollow and empty because I'm just sitting at a computer desk working. There's no, they would, I I'm a hiring manager, so they would replace me tomorrow. I know, because I'm the guy who does it, right? And so walking back into that, it's like, this is my life. And this just feels so empty. It's part of the reason I do the podcast. So it's very interesting to me that that is a big motivator for you.
0: Well, it's a motivator because it's like, I mean, this is, my, this is my day job.
2: You know, I mean, and, and that, this is what I
0: do. I do this all the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's because I, I did a pod. It's funny. I did the podcast. I did an interview a few months back. When COVID hit last year, I released the last of my marketing clients. I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say, Yes, we should keep spending your money because it's going to work, even though we're in a global pandemic. I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say yes. so I, so we kind of like look let's let's just draw a line at this and see what happens, and I've never gone back because it's like I just don't want to go back to that so so that we're resourced enough to keep the podcast rolling and do this. And that's what we're looking for. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're turning this into a business. right? And, and I did virtual events last year. And, and that's, that's my future. I, I, I think I'm a better presenter than I am a, mar- a marketer. Well, it's certainly where my passion lies anyway. And, certainly, and this is for me. And, and I think that's, that's the journey for me about my life, passion and business and my midlife, my midlife um, work. You see... My midlife change was starting the podcast, and that's where I got my oomph from. That's not going to be everyone's journey. I think everyone needs to do the work and find out what their journey is going to be. And that's the point. I think by the time we get to midlife, people have stopped doing the journey. They're literally just coasting. They're coasting that life. And you've got to put the effort in. You've got to actually do the work all the time.
2: But by that time we've settled, right? We we bought into the what they tell us in school: get do your schooling, get an education, go get a job, buy a home, get married, have a couple of kids. That's that's it. Yay, yay! You achieved, right? That is the sales pitch, and well, we that's, bought that's into it at that point. That's the American dream that gets sold around the world, really. It, yeah, and that's I, I'd love to say it's just the American dream, but I mean it's been sold and packaged and shipped everywhere. But we, we bought into it at that point. And I think there's a point where you, your heart just breaks a little bit at that crisis point. And you're like, really? This this is, this well, is it? Well,
0: you've had it. You've got it now, haven't you? Because you're now you're sitting at that crux point because you've gone into it, back into your role and you're kind of going, what's the point?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I,
0: do you I have, decided, a, do you have?
2: All right, I'm going to reverse the, reverse the conversation. <laughs> you have a plan now. What, what's your plan for getting out of that one? I don't actually have a plan. Uh, that okay. I wish I could say I was that organized. I started this journey with the podcast and <laughs> it, it grew from possibly writing a book to social media. So I would have an audience to a podcast to YouTube. And I wish I could say I actually had a plan. I suck at marketing. That is my biggest weakness in business is I am horrible at marketing. I don't know my head for my tail, man. And so getting it out in front of people, it's not like I'm making any money doing this at this point. It costs a lot of money for all the money I put into this. But I don't have a set plan, and I kind of wish I did. But at the same time, I also kind of enjoy the fact that I don't because at the moment I I just feel fulfilled. I started this
0: podcast without a financial plan on it either. I, there's, there's no, you know, a lot of people start a podcast with a monetization plan book from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't. So, you know, we, we have, that's why we do virtual events and we do, and I do coaching and I do, uh, you know, focus coaching and midlife coaching. So that's why I do those sort
2: of, that's how I fund it. Yeah. I, I, I was at a seminar I spent, Last weekend, in a YouTube conference all weekend, and one of the things one of the guys was talking about, you know, I don't really know I want to start a YouTube channel, but I don't really I said, look, if you wouldn't do it without ever getting paid, don't start that channel. If you walk into this thinking, "I'm going to use this to make me a fortune," and that's why you're picking that subject, you're going to burn out so quick. Putting my marketing hat back on, which
0: I have taken off, but mm-hmm. I will put it back on briefly. The, the way to do this is to find the problem that you're looking to solve. Find the audience who that who have that problem. And then create the product around them and the problem. And with I, the solution that you have for them.
2: I would agree. I, I've heard that advice for business. But the only additive I think for me I had to throw in was, I have to be passionate about it and believe it. Or I, I can't I can't sell stuff to people or even fix problems I don't care about. I I just can't. I it's not in my nature. Yeah. I understand. Absolutely. I, I've heard lots of uh very wealthy businessmen throw throw out that advice with the, you know, find a problem that needs solving and solve it, package it and sell it, right? And it's like uh, that's that's great, but I I I, I can half-ass anything that I don't believe in, but that's what I feel like I would do if I didn't love and wasn't passionate about it. Kind yeah. of feel like that's how I've gotten through life a long ways to where I'm at now. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that there's a there's a lot of there's a double edge on that one. It's like you, do you have to be passionate to make money, or or can you be passionate outside of it? Uh, and, there, and there's a lot of people that have that viewpoint that, yeah, you make your money and you, and you put your passion somewhere else. And there's that Japanese uh, philosophy that's called Ikigai. Have you heard of that one? Mm-mm. Okay. So it, it, Ikigai, is, it's a, a Verne diagram with, several, with four circles. Okay. And in each circle is what you're passionate about, what the world wants, what you're good at, and what you get paid for. And where all those circles converge is where you can make a, make a good living and be happy.
2: Okay. I've seen, I've seen the, a diagram with that. I just didn't know what it was called. Yeah. Uh, now, for years, I've gone with the, I do the job I don't particularly care about that makes the money while I try and do other things. Okay. So. Well, that works. End of late. <laughs> it's your life. You do it how you choose. That's the point. <laughs> well, I'm trying to change that now. I'm trying to get to <laughs> what I love and what I'm passionate right. about, and find a way that it makes money. Yeah, that, that would be lovely. Yeah, I'd yeah. love for this ho- hobby to pay for itself because I'd like it to be more than a hobby. But you know, we'll get there, right? Time will come. It will happen. So, Paul, uh, we're going to roll through our sponsor real quick, and then, guys, we're going to get into. I have some very specific questions I would actually like to ask you about going into the second half of the show.
1: So we'll be right back. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at TheFallibleMan or at FallibleMan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our Attitude Swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com.
2: And we're back, guys, with Paul Harvey of the Life, Passion, and Business podcast, and he is dropping some great wisdom bombs. I got to admit, this show is not going anywhere close to where my notes are, and I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Uh, i I think we're i'm now curious what your notes had on them (laughs) you're you're delivering way way better than i could have planned it so that that works but i really wanted to ask i saw in your bio because i'm a huge believer in the idea that asking the right questions can change everything Mm -hmm. i mean just phenomenally change everything for you and i saw that in your bio you talked about you've brought down to five questions that just redefine everything for somebody. And I would really love to get into that if you would share.
0: Well, those are the questions that I ask every guest on the podcast. I and mean, it's very simple. It's like, and we've touched on them already. It's like, what are you passionate about is the first one. It's like, what is your the reason for being here? What are you passionate about? What do you, what do, you do? Now, what is interesting about that passion question is that sometimes you can track it right the way back from childhood Uh, a lot of my guests did something as a child or experienced something as a child and what happens is they find a career in later life and that passion is coming out that childhood discovery is coming out so that is quite you know quite clear in terms of it's very obvious when that when that kind of thing meets and then once you've established a passion, you have got to understand what success means to you. Because, you know, we've already touched on that. This idea of the success model is something that we were sold. But I have met so many people, so many people on the podcast and externally the podcast that get the goal that they were told would be good. They buy the fast car, they get the big house, they get all these things and they just find themselves, they just find their bloody miserable. Because, you know, if you go for the big promotion because that's success, when you get there, you suddenly realize that your hours are no longer relative to the hours you're supposed to work. You're now working more, longer, longer hours. You're seeing less of your family, doing all these bits and pieces you weren't expecting. A lot of times, success is not what people think it is. Uh, So define what success is to you. Yeah, you know, success to me, a successful day to me is a day that's filled as a productive day. It's not gonna be a hard working day, maybe it'll be a productive day. I will have achieved three or four things that I wanted to achieve in the daytime. And for me, that's success. I'm not I I I spent years making bloody long to-do lists and beating the crap out of myself at the end of the day for not completing half of it. And wondering why I felt so sort of miserable. Because I, you know. I set myself up to fail even before I started.
2: Can, can I pause so, you right there? Guys, hear what he just said. Busy does not equate to productive. We, we, are, we value busyness in the society, especially in various cultures around the world. Right, We value busyness instead of productivity. It's macho to be busy. Right. You can say to your
0: mate, "I worked really hard today." You know, you can really grunt it out. You know that <laughs> that makes us feel like good men because we grunted it out.
2: <laughs> so sorry, sorry, I had to just point that out. I've, I, I have read the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and it's the whole premise of the book, right? I don't know if you've read that one or not. I have. And and he lied because it didn't actually
0: do four hours. But (laughs) but the point is, it it sold the book title. Oh, yeah. But but the point is, what Tim Ferriss is about is do the one thing. It's the same thing as that other book. It's the one thing. That's another bloody brilliant book. What is the one thing that will take you forward now? And you do the one thing, the one thing, the one thing. You keep doing the one thing. Mm -hmm. The most important thing that takes you forward. But yeah, you know, but back to this—the success thing—is define what success means to you. That is really critical. And all of my podcast guests, all, I guess, is that because I choose them particularly. I guess, I guess it's difficult because I te- I can I'm looking for a particular kind of guests. So I guess they all say the same thing. But they don't really, <laughs> you know, I'm looking for people that have found um, the answers to something, and they're in in that kind of happy life. I'm not mm. looking for people that are grinding. So I guess if I was to talk to someone who was grinding, they would tell me that's their measure of success. The fact that they might be dead in five years from a heart, from a heart condition or something is, is not really <laughs> something I you know. But that's the point. Define it for yourself. The third question is contribution. So as humans, we can be totally selfish, but the greatest value that, I have found from all of my guests, they all say the greatest value is when they realize that they are contributing to other people, when they're giving something to other people. And for me, my contribution is the podcast is is sharing this message. That's that's from, from my perspective. But it is the idea when we can do something for others, support others, help others, make a contribution. You make them feel good and you make yourself feel good too. And that's the most amazing part about it. Because, you know, if you have helped someone, if you change someone's life, how good is that going to make you feel? You know, there's no, there's, there's nothing better than that, really. Nothing better at all. And, but I've also added the new layer to that contribution question over the last few months. And I ask people now, how do you contribute to yourself? Because one thing that did occur to me, it's all about well contributing to other people. If you contribute to others at the expense of yourself, that's not serving you either. You know, I mean, I, the, the the old adage in marketing and business terms is put your own oxygen mask on first. you know, the old take to take the um you know, the airplane model mm-hmm. because if you don't put your oxygen mask on, you're going to pass out. But it's the same in terms of contributing to yourself on a daily basis. So, Eating right, getting enough sleep, exercising, doing some kind of meditative practice, asking yourself the right questions. You know, for me, my day starts with writing. There's always yoga or some kind of physical exercise. I run a lot these days. Um, And it's all about keeping my body because it's an older body. And I recognize if I don't keep it, well, you see, that's another thing. Um, My father and I didn't have the best relationships, but he's taught me so much. Oh, uh, his knees were in a terrible mess by the time he was in his 80s. And it's like, you know, I thought, if I'm going to get knees like that, I better do something about these knees I've got here because mine were clicking by the time I was 50. Mm, yeah. They don't click anymore, I have to say, because, you know, I've, I've put the work in over the last few years to make sure that I've got reasonable knees and now I'm running. So, yeah, but that's the point. Contribute to yourself as well as as well as
2: well others. It's very valid these days. I've I've heard several people talk about People are coming around to at least that thought process. Finally, is like, wait, if I don't, if I don't take care of me, how can I take care of anybody else? Well, you you're in the you're in the best place for it, aren't you? Because I mean, like you know,
0: my medical care is paid for. You have got to pay for your own medical care. And I've seen the bills you got to pay.
2: Oh my goodness! <laughs> I just don't go to the doctor. <laughs> Sorry, Dude, I just don't go to the doctor. No, I know, I know it's what happens in the states,
0: and you just don't go to the doctor. And and it was the same here in in the in
2: the 1940s and 50s. Did you ever uh, uh, see the old Garfield cartoons? Uh, and, like, the newspaper? No, I haven't seen them actually, no. Okay, so Garfield is the big orange <coughs> fat cat that likes lasagna. Yeah, I know who he is, yeah. Uh, my, my, one of my best friends loved Garfield, so she had these all over her room. And there's this clip that always stuck in my head, and it was Odie the dog sitting next to Garfield on a tree branch, right? And it was the commentary was, it's amazing what you can do if you don't know you can't. And so I kind of adopted that in my brain. So there's nothing wrong with me if I don't go to the doctor and they tell me, I don't know there's something wrong with me, right? Isn't that how it works?
0: No, I don't think so. (laughs) But there we go.
2: If if that works
0: for you, hey, what am I to say? (laughs) I'm
2: sure sure it's not actually healthy, but, you know, it's kind of the way my brain works. If I don't know it's wrong, then it's it's not really wrong. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, on on that story,
0: you know, like – I saw a, 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 uh, an interview, with one of the politicians uh, years ago, who was instrumental in, in starting the National Health Service in the UK. Mm-hmm. And he, met, he went to see an old, an old lady. This is in the 1960s. And you know, the health service has been going a few years. I think it started in 1958, the health <laughs> service, something like that. And he went to see her on the doorstep doing, you know, canvassing as they do. And she said, oh, do come in. I'd love to talk to you. You know, so he was quite famous. So she went, he went and had a chat with her and she said, I need to thank you for the health service. And he went on this conversation and he discovered that she was still paying for her children's illnesses. She was paying the doctor like five shillings a week or something, whatever it was, for the children's illnesses that they'd had like 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, and like she now, now her kids didn't have to do that. You know, like because that because the health service made that change.
2: So yeah, it is one of the things that does define us in the UK. I think <laughs> I, I sympathize. My oldest daughter is nine. I'm still paying for her being born. Right. Okay. She was wow. in the hospital for a week because she was a preemie, and so she, we okay. were in the NICU for a week, and she's perfectly healthy now. But we were in the NICU for one week, and she's nine. Nine and a half, yep. actually, and we're still paying that bill. Yeah, I'm sure you are. And and the point
0: is, you're the most one of the most, you know, the, the most affluent nations on the planet, and yet you, <laughs> can't, and you can't solve that problem. But there uh, we go. We're not going there, I guess. <laughs>
2: I love my country. I won't pretend we're perfect.
0: <laughs> anyway, the other question, the next question, I always ask my guests because a lot of it is to do with. um business stuff. So the question I always ask them is what is the one question you want people to ask themselves? And the reason I ask them that or or ask of you and it's about a, a it's about that that launch pad question. And I think we all ought to have that. It's like like what's your subject? What is it that you like to talk about? Because when when you feed someone with a question that they can ask you something back, it just, it's just, just allows you that opportunity to, to have, that, have the conversation that you want to have with people. So it's very much relative to people on the podcast now. But I think there is a value in, in having a question or having something that you want people to ask of themselves. Because it's a good conversation piece. And then the final question that we always ask our guests is what's the meaning of life? And it's the one that has had all sorts of answers from nothing to love to god to everything you know in the kitchen sink because there is so many answers to that question because we're all human and we all have to define it for ourselves but that's the point we have to define it for ourselves
2: i was going to say that goes back to the beginning of the conversation
0: well it does and i think part of this issue is is that certainly 40 years ago in this country, Mm -hmm. Christianity was much stronger than it is. Most people went to church or at least went to church once a month or or at some point. They did something, some kind of formal religion. Um, And the priest told them what the meaning of life was. And that was it. They didn't need to think about it because the priest had told them. But as that. Formal religion has passed, has, has passed from, for, I won't say the majority, but a lot of people, you know, are you, Christianity is not as powerful as it, as it once was. It doesn't have anywhere near the followers. Maybe your country is different, but certainly in the UK, it's not the same. No, it's shrinking everywhere, I think. Yeah. And I think that shrinking has produced a vacuum which people have to fill. And sadly, they're filling it with Netflix and, and retail therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Almighty Amazon. Yeah, that's what they're filling it with. But, you
2: know, because they're told that if you buy this, you'll feel better. <laughs> right back to social media influencing, right?
0: We are, we oh, are. Oh, they're happy. Are, yeah. they're,
2: they're happy. Look, they had this. That makes them happy. We window into people's lives just feeding <clears> that retail therapy, man. We, we look at everybody else and want. About that. Is the
0: critical question, isn't it? Like, what is humanity for? What, what is our purpose? Do we have a purpose? You know, some people, you know, a lot of people said that we are spiritual beings living a physical reality, living a physical existence. A lot of people have said that to me. You know, we're a soul, a spiritual business living a physical existence. This could just easily be a virtual reality s- system. That we paid our money and we stepped into. Mm-hmm. You, you, you could, it could just as, it you know, it's perfect. I appreciate it's perfect. But, you know, when they stick atoms in the atom smasher, the bits that come out are the same in everyone. You know, it's the same stuff. And we are all 99.99% no thing. Yep. So, you know, it's like there's just gaps in between us. So you know, you, you, it could just be a very, very clever virtual reality machine.
2: I uh, I work in the in the IT industry for a living. My normal nine to five job. I work in the IT industry, and yeah. we all joke about that. You know, it's like, oh, we're we're just plugged in the Matrix. The the '90s movie, The Matrix. It's yes. Like, yep, that's we're just all plugged in the Matrix. We're just. In...
0: Yes. Well, when you look at, I mean, I, I mean, it does. It is a very seductive idea because when mm. you look at kind of coincidence and stuff and things that happen I mean I did an event last year one of my events I did was called spirituality and it was the idea of this duality about living in the real world and in the spirit world this idea about how we deal with spirituality and in in life and the, and it came about because a lot of my guests have spiritual experiences that change them but they don't call it that they call it luck they call it all bits and pieces but you can see for a while it's hit them like a polax and they've gone and it's like and it's been a spiritual awakening for them because they've changed how they've worked and some of them have you know i've acknowledged that's what it is and some of them don't so i did this event around this and then the conversations i had with people some of the Stories that came out from this, this, you know, people. I was talking to a Jesuit priest about to rabbis, all sorts of people on this on this event. But some of the things that happened, it's like someone guided that, someone gave that a push, because it's like you, if you said that would have fallen into place like that, it it wouldn't. How did that fall into place like that? Yeah, I mean, the Jesuit priest, he will say it's God. I mean, he 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 um he was a a priest in Pinochet's. In the in, in, Now, where is Pinochet? Where was that regime? Chile. He was in Chile during the Pinochet regime, which was a, a fascist regime, you know, make, taking people off the streets, people disappearing, people dying all over the place. And it was a really bad place to be. And he was there serving his community. And there were many times that he was almost kidnapped, almost killed. And there was always something which saved him and stopped him from getting got at. And he would just say it was the grace of God. And, and you can't argue with a guy, can you really? Because like, he, he survived.
2: <laughs> uh, it'd be about like arguing with Mother Teresa, right? Yeah. Lived and served in a population of highly contagious you know, individuals yeah. who are basically damned once they get the disease as far as their lives and lived among them for how many years serving those people? Yeah, absolutely. And, and now that, that was could her be God. answer. God. It could God. just be
0: the op- just with the operator of the machine, making sure you're fine. Anyway, there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so these are the five questions, guys, and you can ask yourself these questions, okay? You don't have yeah. to wait to be a guest on someone's show. You don't have to have someone intervene in your life. You can ask yourself these five questions and really start to hone in on who you want to be and where you want to go this these are these are phenomenal questions thank you for it's sharing powerful those stuff it's his powerful stuff if you start doing if you start
0: using it it really is Guys, uh, and i and i say I, I run my life on it these days this i mean it, it is my life I, I i you know i journal it's here by my by myself it's never far away from me uh, you know i do all sorts of stuff basically but it very much is along the lines of the five questions. What will be success for me today is one of the questions I often ask myself.
2: I always like to leave, leave get my audience with something actionable. Okay, guys, so take notes. Rewind the show if you need to. Take notes. Write down these five questions. Try it for a week. I'm, I'm not asking you to admit to anything long. I'm not asking you to radically change your life today. I'm asking you to write down these five questions and start your morning every day for the next week. Just see where it takes you. See if it changes who you are. See if it affects you. Everybody's going to react differently. I would edit that a little bit for you. I think
0: think it'd be easy to do the first three. I think the last two are a little bit difficult. But if you were to look at your day and say, okay, what am I passionate about today? What would I define as success today? And how could I contribute today? Just taking those three things well, for one, you know, for a week, you'd be surprised what comes out of it. Now, contribution could be as simply as having a nice conversation with a checkout, with someone at a checkout, changing someone's day, just asking someone something nice about the you know, So how you, how's your day been today? You know, is
2: that just do it? That is a contribution, changing someone's day. It is, I agree entirely. We often make that way too complicated. Everybody, yeah. everybody thinks when you ask something like that, what what earth shattering scientific discuss are, you know what crimes against humanity did you now? How did you treat? How did you treat your waitress? Today? I the homeless guy a coffee. Right. Yeah, it's like. Were, it's were you true. nice to your barista? Did you treat your coworker with a little courtesy and respect when maybe yeah. they didn't deserve it? And a contribution can be. We, we try and scale this up for some silly reason, but man, it's just about day-to-day life and how you interact with other people and the impressions you leave on them. I used to ask my daughters before they went to bed every night, I asked them three questions. What are you, three things you're grateful for? Mm. What is one thing you did for somebody else today? And what is one thing that somebody did for you today? And that, that's how we ended the night because I wanted them to foster that mindset and start thinking about those things that have value. They are
0: great questions to do for children. The gratitude thing is wonderful stuff to do because it allows them to actually see
2: value in the world. Guys, I'm not sure we can actually end stronger than that. So I'm going to say be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you next time.
1: This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.